Hi, good day, and welcome to Marble Halls TV Football Finance Podcast. Today, I want to talk about the various modes of ownership in the Premier League and the wider footballing world in terms of corporate governance and how owners behave. Well, one of the major models is, well, this isn't an academic term as such. It's my own term, but I'm going to call it the Sheikh Abramovich model because these are two prominent examples at both Manchester City and Chelsea respectively of owners who share the following characteristics. They're both obviously you know, extremely wealthy people and they use their ownerships to finance many aspects of their club's um, infrastructure. So this could be new stadia, higher, uh, better training facilities or medical facilities. It could be, you know, top managers, top players, um, top, um, you know, higher wages. Um, so, and how they would facilitate this is via well, following acquisition of the football club as a legal entity, they would use low-cost loans within the general conglomerate they have, the grouping they have, in order to finance these things. So when people say that such clubs are financially doped, in essence, that is true in that, you know, it's an analogy from, I think it's horse racing the analogy comes from. Now, if you dope a horse and you inject it with hormones or steroids and stuff so it would um well perform artificially well similar to how you would do it with a human being you know a human athlete um so if you're financially doping a football club you're artificially injecting it with um greater resources now this is not either unethical nor is it illegal it may be contrary to what football well, in many people's eyes, should be, but because the corporate governance laws allow it, then, and that this is unlikely to change since the government would have, especially now with Brexit, you know, Mrs. May, the Prime Minister, would have, uh, you know, frankly, better, bigger priorities, and that's fully understandable. So, um, in that regard, that is the first template. Now, another template would be, well, again, this is an academic term, but this is a term that I would categorize it as, as the long-term or, or the um, holdership paradigm. So if you look at somebody like Stan Kroenke at Arsenal, John Henry at Liverpool, even to some extent, um, Enik at Tottenham, um, the Glazers at Manchester United, now the rationale for ownership for these people is not so much as into well inject funds into the club it is probably more so in the traditional mold of a conglomerate in other industries so they have bought their clubs their respective clubs to ensure brand value to ensure greater leverage in their conglomerate to ensure their conglomerate can better attract funding, attract loans, can grow its revenue, can essentially sustain itself as an investment. 
So if you look at why, for example, Apple bought Beats, well, Beats was well is a major headphone brand. So with the brand that makes the overall Apple brand look good or or, or better. This is this is essentially why takeovers happen in a general, you know, um, well to use the term M and A, that's mergers and acquisitions. Um, you know, if if company A buys out company B, then it's because company A sees that company B has potential value and wants to acquire that value for itself. Um, it's like how Hershey bought Cadbury. Sorry, sorry, not Hershey. Kraft bought Cadbury. That was what almost ten years ago now. For the same reason, it's obviously Cadbury's a big global brand, and it saw the value in it. So, in that case, then you would sustain the brand the best you can, so it retains its value, so it adds to your overall value. So it's more about, as I say, hold the ship more so than say. Um, wanting uh you know to, to well to use the term financially dope for success so this is why manchester united have incurred debts for the glazers which to be fair probably are not as 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 significant as it used to be this is why stan Kroenke uh, owns arsenal why enic joe lewis well headed fronted by um Daniel Levy at Spurs, um, John Henry at Liverpool, they all operate a relatively similar model of ownership. Um, so at least in the Premier League, these are the two principal modes of football corporate governance, as it were. Um, if you look at other countries like, say, Spain, um, Germany, Italy to some extent, um, but certainly if you look at Spain, if you look at clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona, they, they, their corporate governance structure traditionally is different. In England, we would have, akin to most other industries, where you'd have corporate stakeholders, sorry, not stakeholders, corporate shareholders, who would own it similar to how they would own in other industries. However, um, in Spain, there are a lot, and Germany, there are a lot more fan-owned clubs. So, Real Madrid, whilst it obviously has high revenues, and you know the biggest football club in the world, really, um, they are to a large extent fan-owned. So, the fans you would probably pay annually or wherever for a membership, which would then give you entitled you probably to a season ticket, and the right to vote on issues such as the president, how the club gets its TV share. So they have a much more mutual and cooperative, more so than the pure, well, corporate nature of say English um, football corporate governance. Um, you know, Barcelona is running a similar way. I think Bayern Munich's running a similar, most German clubs are running that way. In Italy, I think they have similar, very similar to the English model. Um, I know in the past they had big people like Silvio Berlusconi, who was the Prime Minister of Italy at one stage. Uh, Massimo Maratti, he was a big owner of, of um, Inter, I think in the 90s. Um, so yeah, um, 
I'm not sure if it's changed now since the Calcio Poly scandal. It's possible, but um, I do think a lot of Italian clubs still are similar to the English model. However, um, in Europe, these are the general, you know, uh, um, state of play, as it were, regarding corporate ownership. Now, is there a better model? I think better in this case is relative because pop well okay I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this from the perspective of different countries. I think in England we do I think to some extent we do envy the corporate governance structure of German clubs, even Spanish clubs like Real Madrid and Barca because football's not an industry like any other, so maybe there should be more scope for fan involvement. Um, whilst it's not in our culture, that is true. You know, again, you know, fans are emotionally invested in their football clubs, so it may be that we need to change how football clubs are run and governed. You know, to use it's wrong to use examples from other industries because they're different. They're structured differently. They, you know, have different needs. You know, if you buy your if you buy your petrol from say a BP station, you need to own shares in BP. Not you, you don't really care. As long as it has the fuel that you requires for your vehicle, that's all you care about, really. You don't need to own shares in it. Yeah, if you're a Man United fan, an Arsenal fan, a Chelsea fan, a, even a fan of a swell, a so-called smaller club in a lower division, like say Burton Albion or you know uh, <laughs> Walsall or something like that, then you know um, you you are still probably would want and desire some degree of ownership in in your um in, in your football club. So I hope this has covered some basic concepts and topics in the court how football clubs are structured corporately. Um you're free to provide any feedback, any points I may have missed or to expand on any points. So thank you very much.